0: The left thinks the right doesn't understand Marxism, but the right understands Marxism more than the left does. It's the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. Headline, Space Force Commander Removed After Saying Marxism is infiltrating the military. This is from the New York Post. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. A lieutenant colonel in the Space Force has been removed from his post after he went on a podcast to claim that Marxism is invading the military, according to a report. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer was temporarily reassigned after going on a podcast and touting his book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal in Conquest, and the Unmaking of the American Military, according to Military.com. Quote, the decision was based on public comments made by Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer in a recent podcast. A Space Force spokesman told the outlet, Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting has initiated a command directed investigation on whether these comments constitute prohibited partisan political activity. Lohmeyer, a commander of the 11th Space Warning uh, Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base in Colorado, I I don't know what the Space Force uh, hierarchy is, Um, got into hot water after appearing on a conservative podcast, Information Operation, last week. His book claims that a neo-Marxist agenda has infiltrated the military. Oh, you don't say. (laughs) You don't think. Listen to this. There's an actual... Study saying that the military is going to focus on climate change. Now, whether or not they're going to bomb Chinese coal coal plants, coal fire plants that are being built at record paces in China, um, I don't know. I don't think the U.S. military is going to fly over there and start drone striking coal plants in China because China has more of a carbon output than anyone in the entire country or in the entire globe. But we're going to pretend that his decrying of Marxism is something that needs to be addressed. And we need to, we need to reassign him over this because the left thinks that you think that Marxism, uh, the cries of Marxism that the Republicans make because Republicans pounce this is from Newsweek Republicans condemn firing of space force commander over partisan political activity. Republicans pounce over the firing Of the Space Force, uh, Space Force Commander. Uh, Maybe they seized. But regardless, they think that your assertion of Marxism is wrong. This is how dumb they are. Listen to this from Marcus H. Johnson. This guy, he is a writer. He's a political scientist. He has tattoos and he loves spicy food. I guess he's from FSU. This guy's got 65,000 followers. I don't know why, but this genius said, the next time a Republican on TV decries Marxism in America, I'd like the interviewer to ask just once if they can describe what Marxism actually means. Someone followed up and said, my favorite is when they use Marxist, communist, and socialist all in the same sentence to where I had to, <laughs> I had to chime in and say, you guys are complete morons. Here are the definitions encompassing Marxism, how Marxism is the foundation of communism, and how socialism is a core feature of communism built off Marxism. Socialism, noun, a political and economic theory of social organization that advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned and regulated by the community as a whole policy or practice based on the political and economic theory of socialism. In Marxist theory, it is a transitional social state between the overthrow of capitalism and the realization of communism. Okay. So there's part of the point. Well, let's look up the definition of communism, a political theory derived by who Karl Marx uh, of Marxism fame, advocating class war and leading to a society in which all property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to their abilities and needs also see marxism these idiots don't even realize that that's part of the whole thing the best was this uh, <laughs> this state right here this statement state capitalism is also a wonderful oxymoron They may as well say public ownership of the means of private production. Guess what? From PBS Frontline, what is the China model? Understanding the country's state-led economic model. Oh, well, there's a state-led capitalism there. Sounds like we got that one right, too. But these fools, I mean, the fact that I'm learning that Democrats are fed up with Republicans for using the term Marxism because they think Republicans don't know what it means, only to read that Republicans are actually using the term properly. It's pretty damn funny to see complete dolts getting bent about proper usage of Marxism. I mean, Marxism from each according to his ability to each according to his needs and socialism, any of the various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. Um, so yeah, the idea that these idiots have as far as when we go through what Marxism is and, and they go through and act as though we can have this collective group. It's like the polyphonic spree, you know, that band with, they all look like hippies wearing rainbow dresses and, and they're supposed to live in a commune together You know, we tried this. We tried this in Jamestown, and it failed miserably. We tried this, you know, at Plymouth Rock, and it failed miserably. People didn't work equitably. They didn't work equally. They didn't pull their weight. They put, you know, they put in what they thought they could do at the bare minimum, and someone else who worked harder was going to pull the weight. And that's what happens. You put human nature into, into the equation and it changes the whole game. You can't have this idea of a utopian collective and assume that, Oh, well, you know, everybody's going to chip in and everybody's going to do their part and no one's going to ride the wave and be the grifter that's sitting on the outside, letting someone else do all the work. Um, Well, human nature lends itself to that. That actually happens all the time. And it's called work ethic. And it also is called government employment. You apparently have not worked at a government job and seen people just coast while you do all the work with your work ethic. I mean, I had people respond to me online about my whole assertion of Marxism. This is a really good one here. Libertarian futurist, right? He's a futurist. And he goes back. We did this podcast back five years ago, five, six years ago, where I was breaking down that libertarianism as defined by left wing, anarcho fascist, uh, you know, uh, they have a libertarian aspect to their ideology. I was breaking down how it's completely antithetical to what libertarianism is. You can't have leave me be no government. I want to do what I want to do and then make that into a Marxist idea because the way that they're putting it is everybody is looking out for their own self-interest, but they're doing it as a collective, which is an oxymoron that doesn't work because the collective means that everyone is working for everyone else while they're being worried about themselves and their interest. Well, then that means some people are going to take advantage of that situation and some people are going to take advantage of the fact that there is no one running the shop and they're going to step into the void. They're going to walk into the vacuum of power and that's when they're going to become the managers. That's when they're going to see the potential and they're going to see what they can get out of it. You know, it goes back to that that conversation I had when I was going back and changing, you know, careers. And I'm listening to these people in international business and they're talking about, well, we're talking about CEOs making too much money, right? Which I was like, I don't know how much is too much, but apparently you have a dollar sign on that. And one guy said, hey, um what if CEOs could have a salary cap similar to the NFL? You know, they make too much money. They just have a salary cap. And then I raised my hand and the professor was like, "Uh, yeah, um, Adrian, what what do you think about this? And I was like, "Um, who makes the salary cap? And he kind of looked at me like, "Uh, well, the government does. I said, yeah, those people are going to be making bank because they're going to get the kickbacks. They're going to get all of the perks of, payment to look the other way so certain people can exceed that salary cap and the guy who is regulating the salary cap is going to make out like a bandit he's getting no salary cap somebody is always at the helm and so when you decentralize everything and go oh well we'll just make a we'll make a government where we just all live together and everyone's going to pitch in i swear this guy actually said Something to the uh, degree of that the the means of pro- production, the needs, right? Because he's saying that socialism isn't about equal distribution. Need doesn't re- uh, refer to equal distribution either. Socialism is about equal access to free distribution. What the hell does that even mean? To the point where um, he says it's weird how you're stating that it's like so, uh, some kind of fact that the working class hasn't communally controlled production in hundreds and thousands of years uh, for you to even be able to say that objectively to where I said, um, why, does, why doesn't why does the working class, why do they have to wait for a political system to collapse in order to get started and creating something together? Um, maybe they could incorporate or form an S corp or form an LLC and the working class can make a product and they can push that product and they might have to hire other working class people to facilitate that idea or those products, the the design. Um, maybe they will have to put those people into a position to help them further their idea along that can be profitable to them. And maybe those people are looking at it going, hey, you know what? I get paid so-and-so an hour by these people, so I'm going to take my opportunity cost of my time and my labor priced at this amount, and I will go ahead and provide that to them because I will be able to pay my bills and get my Uh, situation, my resume, my experience to a level to where I can jumpstart or leapfrog from that to something else. It's all a symbiotic relationship. I mean, if you're going to sit there and say, well, you know, the, the economy needs to be a collective of working class people that, you know, they get together and they live in harmony. Well, guess what? those working class people are probably going to want to form a union but maybe it's not a you know working union maybe it's a union of people who have a like-minded interest that would be oh corporation because corporations are people corporations are a collection of people together Maybe it's a limited liability partnership, an LLC, an LP, whatever. It's a business entity, and that is capitalism. So this guy decides he's going to debate me a a little bit further on Marxism, and he says it's important to remember that Marxist socialism is based on communal ownership by the working class, not government or states. Okay. Government is derived by the consent of the people in a republic, in a constitutional republic. We go, we have to have a government, so let's put in some people that we think will represent our interest and will work on our behalf. While we're doing our jobs, while we're doing our lives, raising our families, working our jobs, we are going to give consent for these people to do certain things on our behalf, well, again, the where they begin, the premise of their argument is in the middle. They don't go to the beginning or the end. They they start off by saying, "Well, you know, government is a hierarchy of, you know, uh, hierarchical uh, people, uh, families who have been in power." Where did the power come from? Who gave them the power? Did they just take it? Did they just make it? Someone had to say we needed a government. Whether it's a king, whether it is a judge in the Bible, whether it is a republic like we did here in America, whether it is a dictatorship. Someone said we need someone to lead, and they stepped up and led. So to say that governments need to be collapsed because we need to have some sort of communal, uh, you know, communist group is to say that they're rejecting a system that was in place. But who put the system there? The system didn't already exist just out of the blue. And that is the problem. Because that's where they attack the argument, in the middle of the argument. They go, well, the the system was there, and it's always been carried down. There's always been a monarchy. There's always been Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, whatever. No, there wasn't. Someone put them there in the beginning. So you've got this guy who's talking about the working class, and that's where I go, well, you know, if the working class really wanted to make something of themselves, maybe the working class would get together and make something and then incorporate, or make an S-Corp, make an LLC, and then do something. But I did find it interesting that the comments that this guy had, again, it's always in the middle of the argument, and never from the premise. Um, listen to this. He said, it's also t- important to remember that need, the needs that we have refers to anything individuals might require to be prosperous and happy. Need does not and has not ever referred to the bare minimum required for survival as a lowly, impoverished laborer. So he's saying that the premise that we come to uh, come to reject with communism is that we go, well, you know, they can't meet the bare needs. And they're like, well, well, you know, the bare needs are not really a part of it. Well, guess what? The bare minimum comes from practical application of the inability of Marxism to manage resources and divvy them out effectively and equally. Boris Yeltsin made this point in 1989. Boris Yeltsin, all right, so you had Gorbachev take over. Gorbachev and Reagan went back and forth over you know, nuclear weapons over nuclear energy. And they went back and forth over the wall and, and Germany and what have you. And then there was perestroika because, you know, the wall fell and Russia collapsed under their economic instability. They made all these different, you know, these different countries, I guess, these different States and, Perestroika was the rebuilding and a new light enlightenment and Boris Yeltsin took over and he comes to a grocery store in Houston in 1989 in September, 1989, just two months before the fall of the Berlin wall. And amid the final years of the Soviet union, a member of the Soviet parliament visited a grocery store in clear Lake Houston, Texas. His name Boris Yeltsin He'd been the mayor of Moscow And two years later He'd play a a significant role In the end of communism in Russia He'd also later serve As the nation's first post-Soviet president But on September 16, 1989 Yeltsin just wanted to catch a glimpse Of everyday American life So during his visit to NASA He asked to check out a local grocery store Paul Yuriga Answered the phone that day at the Randall store, which is now a Food Town. I guess that'd be Food Line in the southeast, at El Dorado Boulevard and Highway Three. He was the manager on duty that day. Yurga told Houston Matters uh, producer Michael Hargity, "It was just an ordinary Saturday until the phone rang. Courtesy of both, he says that the store only had." 10, a 10 to 15-minute warning that he was coming. Quote, no sign of heavy-duty security or anything around, Yurga said. There was no TV vans because nobody knew it was even going to happen. No radio people. It was just kind of real spontaneous. So nobody had time to get there. Very low-key. Yurga recalls Yeltsin walking around, talking to the employees through an interpreter, and seeming... um most interested in the frozen foods back in those days, frozen goods weren't behind glass doors. Like they were today. They were in open air containers on the ground and you had to bend down to look in. Yurga says, as uh, they called them coffin cases, I was impressed by how down to earth the guy was. Yurga said he was very unassuming, very polite talking about Yeltsin, a Houston Chronicle reporter tagging along Um, that he wrote an article that day about the occurrence saying Yeltsin roamed the aisles of Randall's nodding his head in amazement and a photographer captured images of Yeltsin checking out the produce and seemingly excited about some of the frozen pudding pops. The story could have ended there, simply a fun moment of cultures colliding, but later in life, Yeltsin admitted this visit made a profound impression on him. It cemented his growing view that the Soviet state-run economic system had left the Russian people far behind the Americans, forcing them into a much lower standard of living. It set into motion a path that would lead him to become the figure that would lead Russia out of communism. See, that's the difference. You've got these kids in America, who are hell-bent on communism. They love it. And you've got communism run amok. You've got in Belgium. You've got in Canada. They're all pro-Palestinian. And if you're back in Palestine, Palestine, which isn't a state, doesn't exist as a state, never has, it's hatred for Jews. Um, It's a communist ideology. They're trying to line it up with... Racial injustice in the United States with Ferguson and with George Floyd and what have you. So, you have this communist system that everyone goes, Well, just hasn't been tried the right way. You haven't done libertarian socialism, you haven't done, you know, this decentralized. Uh, You know, we just all make products together and we put it in a pool. You know, we put our crayons together and everybody in the classroom gets to pull, you know, their crayons they need. Um, It doesn't work. It didn't work in Jamestown. It didn't work at Plymouth Rock. It's not going to work. It didn't work in the Soviet Union, to which Boris Yeltsin came in to see a grocery store with items covering everyone's needs while the items that they had were rotting away because they couldn't distribute them efficiently or equitably or equally because I had this person go, well, you know, it's not about equality. Well, certain basic needs are equal. Toothbrush, toothpaste, you know, milk, eggs. There, That's all equal. Everybody's going to need that. But these things <laughs> were things that, they couldn't divvy out as a government to the people from their distribution centers because they couldn't meet the needs of everyone on a federal level. It's just like stimulus. Oh, well, you know, we can give stimulus out to everybody. Suddenly, tons of people are getting stimulus who uh, they were working during the entire pandemic. They were employed, They but they just got free money. Wow, look at that. Stimulus. And then a lot of other people who their jobs were eliminated because of the lockdowns of the pandemic, Um, they didn't get stimulus either. So they were SOL because you cannot effectively top down deliver any sort of aid or any sort of um, you, you, you can't deliver these things from a top down aspect. And so Boris Yeltsin, as a mayor, knows top-down allocation of resources does not work. It comes from the back-and-forth on a decentralized level. Like, you know, the left loves decentralization when it comes to non-government organizations and activism, but they love top-down authoritarianism. Whereas federalism is what we love as conservatives. We love the fact that Capitalism is a, you know, decentralized economic system. And federalism is a decentralized federal governing system because your local government knows the needs of what you need locally than your president does from a top-down approach. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast itunes soundcloud stitcher google play spreaker check out the blog adrian you can donate adrian slade show on anchor.fm anchor.fm slash adrian slade slash support leave a message for the show one nine two nine gogo go go usa that's one nine two nine 929 go go usa